0: Hello and welcome to The Queer Experience. I am your host, Casper Oliver. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. I am a asexual, uh, non-binary uh, podcaster, immersion theater actor, pretty much anything I can get my grubby hands on is what I throw myself into. And today I am joined by a, a fellow podcaster, someone that I have befriended through Twitter and then just projects and all of that, Please go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, uh, I'm David Pena, and I am a Spanish trans bisexual man. <laughs> I'm currently the creator of Dose After You, and I'm a writer, producer, and a psychologist. I'm actually going back to study psychology, um, and that's kind of it.
0: <laughs> so, tell the listeners a bit about Dose After You. Okay, so
1: us after you is my podcast is my baby creation i love them so much and it's basically queer a queer horror bilingual podcast uh, all episodes are available in spanish and in english and um i'm the voice of tech the main character and the story is about Deck, who is a trans man who has quite a dubious past let's just say killer for hire and he falls in love with a god named Seal. And in, this is kind of in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. So the pandemic is happening as a context and it's sometimes mentioned and it's sometimes important for the narrative because the thing is that they were supposed to meet again, but uh, COVID happened. And they had to spend five months in his childhood home. And then he was just like, okay, just, fuck it i'm gonna go find this guy. <laughs> yeah find him again and
0: that's where the podcast starts all right and what inspired you to make this after you
1: yeah so i always say it i'm a big hannibal fan yeah uh, big big hannibal fan and i also like a lot Killineve. uh when it comes to podcasts i'm a big fan of alice isn't dead and the magnus archives so i went basically like i want what they have in Hannibal and in Killing Eve, but I want to make it trans mask love. And that's basically like the whole idea Um, to put it simply because it has more layers. I have a lot of questioning in the show about faith, about trust, about vulnerability, which are kind of my (laughs) <laughs> my main themes so just imagine like Scorpio creator doing this so there's a big fixation on death on the dramatic on journey gay journey so much queer journey like you cannot
0: imagine <laughs> it's, it's so <laughs> good as someone who's listened to it I'm here to tell you all it is so good <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because David's here I, I did binge through I think re-listening to half the series just this morning which is super easy to do because the episodes are so short. Yes, they are. They're like five to eight minutes long.
1: Yeah, five to eight minutes. I actually have now, which is, I think, I still have to put together the last one of the season. So I think that's going to be the longest one. But so far, the longest one is going to be 10 minutes. And that's because I also have promos in this arc uh, in the end uh, for other podcasts. Like the scripts aren't long, the episodes aren't long, and it's supposed to be because the podcast starts with Dex sending or recording voice notes notes for for Seal. So I wanted to play with the idea that you wouldn't listen to a voice note that is over five minutes. I mean, you will do if they're your best friend, but it's not polite. If it's longer than five minutes, you should probably call.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was about to ask what inspired the length, because most podcasts, especially ones that up, that update more often than once a month, <laughs> tend to usually be within the 15 to 30 minute range. Uh, that's mm. not the case with everything, obviously, uh, but kind of just what you normally see. But the episodes being so short, uh, it really helps, especially with my ADHD brain mess. I can just listen to a few, do other things, listen to a few, do other things. And it's really nice. Uh, And another thing I want to ask is what inspired you to make this a bilingual podcast, both having it available in English and in Spanish?
1: Well, first of all, obviously, because I'm bilingual. (laughs) And second of all is because um, the three short stories that I have, I had wrote before the show, because this is a an universe that actually started with Seal, with the character of Seal. So sometimes I joke and I say the Silver's because it all starts with him. Uh, the first short story was in Spanish. Then the one where Dick and Seal meet for the second time, it's in English. So it was a big of a, a mix and I didn't want to choose, but also on the other hand, I wanted to do it in Spanish because I have not seen anything like this. I have not seen queer horror fiction or even horror fiction that is this kind of narrative, not just storytelling, you know, like short stories in in Spanish are done in Spain. And I wanted this narrative, but I also had already a lot of friends outside uh, Spain, like mostly in the Netherlands because I've been there for a long time. Um, So I wanted something that my friends were also could also listen to. And I was just like, well, I'm not the best VA because I'm actually not a VA, more of a writer, but I could speak the two languages. And I have a lot of friends who are VAs that are also bilingual and managing the two languages. So it was just like, let's just make it this way. And it's more accessible, it's more fun. It's a really weird, um, like it's a weird way to learn Spanish. I'd say practice because it's, it's yeah. difficult if you're starting, but if you know a little bit of Spanish, you can catch here and there are things, and I think that that can be fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and I I think what's really cool is you have this this crew behind you that's all on board for this really. I I say that it's sad that it's unique strictly because we need more of it. Uh, I <laughs> wish we had more stuff like this, but you have this really solid cast and crew, and with it being a a queer romance uh if i remember correctly you have at least at this point a fairly strictly queer cast and crew
1: yeah mostly with the cast like mm-hmm. all the cast for season one are trans people um and then with the crew i think maybe just uh as who helps with me uh, helps uh, with the social media but mm-hmm. i think she's back so that's, that's for sure. Like there's no C-set man around here. Yeah. <laughs> and most of the people are trans, you know, like the, the designer for the logo, uh, the proofreaders, one is trans and from Spain, the other one is bisexual from the, US, the, the states. So it's, it's a little bit collaborative. I, I I mean, I'm not gonna say I do most of the work like I do most of the work, but it is true that these people help with things that are super important but uh, you know i do the sound editing the recording everything I, i've learned a lot yeah <laughs> uh, but i'm also looking for working with other people to do less jobs because i think i'm a better yeah. maybe writer producer and i, I actually like a lot of sound editing it's quite fun like i find it quite fun not not the dialogue cutting i hate that so yeah much. But when it comes to add effects and things like that, I can spend hours and it is so fun. It is so much fun.
0: <laughs> it is like, uh, you know, Jar of Rebuke has recently started to get more ambitious with its sound effects. Um, it's like half Foley where it's like, OK, Jared's playing with papers, so I'll literally just play with some papers by the mic. And then half of the time when it's like, oh, we don't have a dog. I got to spend 10 hours researching dog sound effects. <laughs> yeah (laughs) and and that's fun but then you have to splice together all the 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 vocal tracks of all the different people and it's you have all the layers and it's just hmm yeah yeah actually i was i was editing the other
1: day one of the next episodes and Mm. i was discussing with my boyfriend who also voices natura in episode 14 um with luke and i told him like I kind of want to play a little bit more and add some effects, but at the same time, even if I've added some things in some episodes where it makes sense to add yeah. more things, I think there's this idea that it is uh, does it a little bit minimalistic, you know, like yeah. you have the effects when you need the effects, but I wouldn't put steps or something that it is not important for, for the track or for the episode. Right. So I went, I actually like I had this moment of I want to play a little bit more. And then I was just like, Yeah, but you have to edit the next one. And I think it stands as creepy as I wanted. So it's gonna stay that way. <laughs> that's an episode that when it's out, I will say, This is the one I wanted to tinker with. But then I decided, hmm, you see, it's better if you imagine what's going on. That's actually spookier than if I give any more <laughs> detail.
0: I'm excited. I'm doing a little wiggle in my seat. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time this interview goes up, that episode will likely be up. So yeah. 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 So search for episode 17.
1: Ooh. That's the final one.
0: <laughs> and it won't take you long to get through it. Cause most of the episodes are like five minutes long. So binge yeah. it. Though, if you follow any of my social media, you've probably already seen loads about this podcast. So
1: (laughs) I had today one friend, my friend Ari, who's actually the better listener for all those. Like anytime, like they listen to every draft and sometimes I have like episode number draft 17, you know, it's like Ari and it's like, Ari, I made this tiny change Do you recognize. And they are just like, no, I don't just get done with it i was like okay i will get done with it um so they basically came to me today and was like why didn't you talk to me about jared Review? and i was like i've been so annoying with that podcast everywhere that is actually your fault you weren't paying attention and they were just like why didn't you come directly to me and i was like okay then you listen and then scream at me <laughs> <laughs> oh delightful
0: yeah and i um Took inspiration from your Patreon server, and in the Jar for Beak Patreon server, there is this tab where it's like podcast recommendations, uh, which I snagged from from yours. But every now and then, I'm just like, "Hey guys, slap dose after you. Make sure you go listen." And actually, I I remembered you bringing this up um, last time we chatted, and I kind of wanted to go more into this because you touched on it. Is what are some things that you view as, like, so, okay, you have, like, the English version of episodes, and you have the Spanish version of episodes. It's, like, you know, same stuff's going on, but things are going to be different, because it's in different languages, so the different, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming different, like, nuances and, like, inflections, Mm. and you said that there are some there's an actor that when you guys perform the Spanish episodes, it's actually like an easier rapport, and I'm really curious to kind of talk more a bit about that, like the differences between the languages of the same episodes.
1: Okay, so for example, like uh, when this episode is out, I think 17 will be out, and in, like if you check already our radio or socials, you will see some of the names, some of the cast. So for example, for Seals and myself. For Maori and I, who, who play Seal and Egg, we actually uh, act way better in, in, in English and Spanish. So we usually record first in English and then in Spanish because that way we have the feeling of what's going on in the language. We're more comfortable with the character and then we yeah. change. And then for the mostly the rest of the VAs, uh, Luke, Violeta, and more overall uh, Matt, um, because also Matt has quite an accent and it's, oh, it's amusing. Okay, so uh, with, the, with M3, uh, they actually act better in Spanish. They, mm-hmm. they say they act better in Spanish. I love how they act in both languages, but you know, like they act better in their mother tongue. I right. think mostly because they have more background in performing than actually Maori and I have. So right. that, that is probably one thing. And for Matt, for example, it's quite funny because he's Mexican. Well, he's half Mexican um, mm-hmm. and he, he's, he has family in Ireland. So kind of the accent he has is a little bit Irish. So mm-hmm. you mix the fact that Mexicans usually don't pronounce the S, okay. and Irish people do you have quite an amusing accent that I don't know how it will work out in, in English. I like it. And I think it suits the character way too much. Yeah. But you can see some difference. Like you can see some actors and actresses are a bit more comfortable in one language than in another. And when it comes to the script, um, most of the time for Deck, I write first in English and Spanish and then write in Spanish. Because the first draft of everything I do in Spanish with Bre sounds way more punk than in English. That's actually a thing. And huh. once, th- yeah, like in, in like in English, he's just like this suave, flirty, uh, <laughs> be careful with kind of fuckboy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but in Spanish, uh, there's a word in Spanish that I can never translate to English, which is macarra, which could be translated to punk. Okay. You know, like more yeah uh, and also yeah and also the fact that um for podcasts if you say the word fuck you get technically you're on the explicit side just for saying fuck right
0: you know it's like, uh, like this, when this i
1: just dis- when i yeah when i discovered that it was like oh my god and then in spanish it's like really difficult to talk of spanish right not say any swear word and anytime so I can get more creative with swear words in yeah. Spanish than I can get in English. And in English, I know that if I say fuck, I'm fucked with that episode. You know, yeah. like if I didn't want it to be explicit, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily for me, this new arc, I went full like, well, if you're going to me on the explicit I'm gonna go full explicit with this one as much as I want to so let's do it
0: yeah <laughs> yeah like it's funny you pick that up because um with jar of rebuke I don't know if you've noticed but the last two episodes have been explicit that's probably going to be a thing for the rest of the series is because uh Jared is hanging it, it uh spoilers I guess well at this point it doesn't matter um the two characters that Jared always hangs out with, Holly and Jamie. Well, Mm -hmm. Jamie's now been introduced, but she's gonna become like a friend of Jared's. Uh, Both have potty mouths. And Jared is going to start learning these curse words and start (laughs) using them. Um, Jared is getting corrupted, and, but also, yes. but also, uh, we realize that we're going to tread into explicit anyway because things are going to get dark. Like Jared is going to die mid recording a few times, and it's not going to be nice. So, like, we're going to be in explicit anyway. Exactly, might just commit
1: exactly exactly i mean it's like i had actually this discussion like not yeah this discussion in a few audio drama servers and -hmm. then i actually talk about it on the toast discord Mm -hmm. because i was looking for ways to do to introduce kissing and i know like there was this whole conversation i think it was mostly because of Juno steel and the penumbra podcast like some people complain some other people I don't know, like there are a lot of different kissing noises and it's, I understand, that in audio, it's a little bit hard to do that yeah. and not be, even if you want that to happen, it'd be like a little bit like, uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it really has to deliver and it's right. kind of hard. Um, and I went full like, you know what? I'm, it's a horror love story and I want kissing. I mean yeah. I'm not afraid and I will probably well I should have maybe put that in content warning I think I have to I mean episode eight. certain episode is gonna have a lot of content warning just in case but yeah <laughs> but I won't feel like you know like I'm here I'm queer and I'm gonna be explicitly queer and if I'm talking about love uh well, I'm talking about also another kinds of love, and these two guys are really into each other. So, like, in a sexy way too. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be shown. I mean, I'm different characters, different creators, and I'm I'm a big caravan, a Dream Boy fan. Yeah, and you can notice that. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> and you know what? It's it's one of those things where, like, in queer podcasts we don't often get the like, ex- ex- explicit, like it, it's very clearly kissing, like it's not inherently sexual, but exactly. we, we in queer podcasts or audio dramas or or most things in general in fiction, we don't usually get those sorts of things unless it's like full on like, smutty territory and so it's nice to have it in a sense where it's it's just it's two dudes kissing it might be steamy and it might be dark because it is horror but (laughs) you know it's nice in a in a weird way. I think
1: actually the first kiss so far has been quite chaste which is funny (laughs) to me like it sounded it sounded quite like, Oh, that's nice. And it was like, Yeah, well, this one's nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just you wait. Just you wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kinda maybe went a little bit. I have to actually edit that episode and I was I was talking with few like voice actors like oh
0: my god I have to edit that episode it's gonna be like ah <laughs> at least <laughs> at least it could be some semblance of like you're editing it you're not like making kissing sounds into a mic and then sending it to someone else to edit it's like at least I have control over what this is
1: yes yes and I also uh- just in case i actually recorded some extras that probably aren't gonna be in that episode because i will admit i do some fade to black because yeah. some things interest me but I, I i mean i'm not gonna go like full way because that's not the point i'm more interested right. in the conversation that happened between and all the things that happens between that you know like the rest you can feel you can write fix about it right all i care you know like i I will probably write something about it for Patreons. like at some point. I know yeah. I have ideas. I know everything they do, so that's a thing. <laughs> but um, you know, like with, uh, with the kissing, with everything, I I went just like, well, just in case, let's record this um, this thing. And my other VA was on board. I was just like you're okay with this uh it's for an extra maybe we use it maybe we don't maybe it's for patreon maybe if you're okay with that we record it and it was like it was an experience i will never forget because like, <laughs> the VA was uh i was like turn around with my chair but i could listen to everything and i was like he was listening to what i had recorded previously and i was like oh wow uh, this is a whole new experience for me <laughs>
0: oh god So that's funny <laughs> <laughs>
1: like I, I I'm actually like I'm a quite a shy person right you wouldn't believe it but I'm actually like behind the mic I can do anything but if you're seeing me like right. my boyfriend can tell you I'm quite shy like he's the actor you know yeah so I actually like that was something that I did and when I did it I was like Oh, feel lighter. I think like,
0: <laughs> yeah. thing
1: itself. I, I can do that now. Yeah, well, that's a new thing. I like yeah. that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I am very excited to hear uh, more into, so it's it seeming like episode 17 is going to be the big one, like,
1: coming um, up. Well, I, I mean, every, every, like, I will actually say like, this whole arc, it's so charged. I mean, uh, I think there's only a few episodes where I'll lower it down, just because well, in terms of narratives you come back to deck and things like that, but there's going to yeah. be so many voices there are going to be episodes where Dick actually doesn't talk that's Ooh. something new, those are my favorite because I didn't have to listen to myself <laughs> once and once, like, it just, sometimes it just like, you like I mean, I don't have a bad uh, self-esteem but there's something about listening to yourself do the same line like 25 times and you're just tired so when yeah. you're listening to other people that are really good actors and actresses it's like, I like this more. You know, I'm tired of that guy. I know that guy. I see him yeah. every day. I listen to him every day. <laughs> but, but, yeah. yeah, I complained <laughs> in
0: the jar of rebuke. We have a cast and crew green room where it's like mm-hmm. in the Patreon server, but it's only the cast and crew or in this one. And I complained in there to the other voice actors. I was like, hey, you all know that feeling where you listen to yourself say the same thing 20 times and want to throw your laptop out a window. <laughs> like." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like I I can't. It's like it sounded great when I was first recording, editing this, but now, like for example, episode fifteen, like it's already out. You
1: can listen to it. Okay, yeah. there's uh, the moment where Dex says silence. I had eighteen takes of myself saying silence, and each one of them had a different thing you know yeah one was more needy one was more like you know oh that was hell that there was so much hell like do I like this one do I want this one should I change this one the last line of seal in episode 15 in English I was lucky that seal had to come like Maori had to come we recorded the first day and he came to recording a few times. And I think mm. like it was the third or the, or the second time he came. I was just like, I need to, I need you to do this line again, because I changed the, like, it was going to be more like that. And now I want it to be more like vulnerable. So can you just do this before we start the next episode? <laughs> <laughs> so those are things that happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a kind of an additional struggle when you're doing, when you're doing podcasting, like queer experience besides the the promotional graphics it's all me it's all me besides the promo graphics thank you Ashley Craft for everything that you do with us um and Cheyenne Dalian who created our logo but everything else and with Jar of Rebuke at the very beginning it was also all me right researching editing writing producing acting recording all that and you end up doing so much and also learning so much and you gotta learn fast yes you learn yes. skills YouTube tutorials become like your best friend they do <laughs> and it's wild and just now come December jar of Rebuke I mean by the, oh, by the time this episode goes up a jar of rebuke is actually going to have a dedicated editor and all all she does is edits and I'm like, oh thank god that's one less thing (laughs) one because it's i don't mind editing but on top with jarver i'm editing three podcasts (laughs) i'm like no no thank you
1: yeah Um, i'm feeling that like i'm pretty sure like for season two i i want even if it's not like, I just want to be a writer and a producer. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, can, I can help with sound editing. Like, just like, hey, do you want this? Can you do a bit more research for sounds like this and that? It actually helped a lot my, like, the way I wrote. Because when you have to do the sound editing, do you think about the sound in the episode in a whole different way? Yeah. Like, I was so happy with episode 15. Like, yeah, I have bike noises. But by- bike noises. And then I had to sound edit. I was like
0: why
1: (laughs) yeah like i love i love the episodes where i can be weird yeah where i can i can put the focus on the gods on flashbacks i don't know things like that because i don't have to stick to reality yeah and it's so creative and so much fun and i can do whatever the fuck i want but when i have to do like yeah he's in the middle of i don't know brussels and it has to sound like for example, there's this episode where he's in, where Dick is in Paris. That's a super fun fact because you can listen to um accordion in the back one of the episodes I think it's 12 or 11 I think it's 11. Episode 11. And you hear an accordion and it feels like and he's describing Paris, he's in Montmartre and you feel like you're there. Okay, so that accordion that sound is actually recorded in the Netherlands. But I found it and it, it gave this massive Paris vibe because of this whole concept, collective concept we have of Paris. You know, like right. you mentioned the, the, the Eiffel Tower and you hear an accordion and you're just like, yeah, that's it. France, that's it. That's in the Netherlands actually. And I was like, <laughs> I fooled everyone. that is was so much fun.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, the magic of audio editing, like in episode six, yeah, six. Where Jared gets a dog. I, I I I describe the dog of looking like a German Shepherd. Right, it looks like a shepherd of some kind. Right, mm. but all the dog audio files I used, like every dog audio file, was listed to be a different type of dog. None of them shepherds. And it. And, but I, I listened to the episode. It's like you can't really tell it, it all sounds like it could be from the same t- but I'm just sitting here like sounds like a big dog that'll do and eh, that sounds like a big dog that'll do <laughs> there's these um I'm bad at names
1: sometimes not, not most of the time but I think it's Alex Welch from archive 81 one yeah. of the writers um he, he has this wonderful uh, conversation with Ella Watts one yeah. he said for archive 81 and he said something that really sticked with me Mm-hmm. And it's that audio has the possibility of you don't have to sew everything. You can just sew enough and let the people fill in. And that can work on so many levels. And you don't actually have to explain everything because people yeah. will feel um, like the things that you live in not entirely filled up. <laughs> right. So I really like that idea, that concept. Uh, that concept is going to come back for season two, I'm afraid. <laughs> A lot. Um, But I really like the idea in the the terms of sound editing. You know, like, I'm not going to give you everything. I'm just going to give you the kind of feelings that I need you to have. And anything else, if you get the general action, you will just add up with your imagination. So if you say it's a big shepherd-like dog, people will instantly picture that. And then will accommodate the sounds that they listen to, to what you have told them. So psychologically, audio dramas are super fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just putting together the writing and production experience with your psychology knowledge, just mesh it together. And there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of that in, in those after You like it might be a five minute episode, but I've been told once and again, like, how can you say so much in five minutes? And I still don't know. Like, don't ask me. Like, I don't know how I feel. Five minutes of an episode with so much information.
0: <laughs> but it works. It works so it works. well. And I actually, one of the things that I like about horror, especially, I I, I want to preface this by saying, I don't like horror films. I am squeamish. I am a weenie. I get freaked out. I It's bad. I love making horror. I love making, like I used to be a haunted house actor. One of the best gigs I ever had was working at a haunted house, wow. so much fun. Like I love being on the giving end of it to people who want it. And there is a lot of psychology in basically any creation and anything that you are making to be entertainment, no matter the genre, you you want to mm-hmm. have a basic understanding of people and how they work but horror you really are getting into people's heads and really getting under their skin and i feel like it is very useful to have a general understanding of of like a like a psychological understanding to really get in there so has your uh like psychology education affected dose after you or been implemented into it i think it has
1: mostly because um I was actually talking with my ter- therapist today <laughs> about the fact that I, I went back to study psychology because audio dramas here as a job that can get bills paid in Spain it's not actually a thing not if you're no. gonna be as queer as me so yeah I'm I actually I'm also looking for a job that doesn't rely that much on that kind of creativity and I want to do something else with what I have so um i actually started the psychology degree which here are like four years and then one more year of a specialization that i still have to do because i wasn't sure so i will do it yeah. later um but when i started when i chose psychology it was you know i was this kind of person that people said oh i can tell anything to you you're like a really good listener uh, you know like that kind of a stereotype but then also i wanted to be a writer i wanted to be a writer since i was like really little um so i was just like well if i understand people better i will write bird stories which is a little bit naive to be honest but yeah. it's not a bad uh like bad take or a bad um aspiration goal to get into psychology and then i get i got into psychology and everything that i studied got me to question more things i it was It was a degree that actually changed me because it made me self reflect a lot. I came out when I was studying in university. That's actually a thing. Um, um, So for example, I'm a little bit obsessed with identity and memory within identity. And actually like my degree thesis was about um, uh, one pillar of identity that is based on narratives. It's based on w- which are the core stories that expl- that we use to explain ourselves how we are. It can be traumatic or not traumatic, you know, like good experience, but that experience that we retell ourselves once and once again to explain how we are, who we are. And that has to do a lot with, with, uh, with identity. And I think I play a lot with what people remember and what people don't remember, what you think you are or when other people think you are. And it's a theme I really like. Also, I really like change as a theme, like resistance and willingness to change. I also like that a lot. So for example, with Deck, Deck is explaining who Seal is through his eyes. And it amuses me the fact that Seal is everyone's favorite character, but no one knew how he, he like his voice until episode 15. Like, no one and everyone was already so in love with him. Why? Because you had heard what Deck had to say about him. Right. And what Deck had to say about himself. But the thing is, can you trust everything that Deck is telling you?
0: Right. The unreliable narrator.
1: So I really like to play with that. And I think that works a lot in horror, you know? And sometimes I feel a little bit weird about calling those horror because I will just say it's psychological horror. It's the kind of horror that gets ideas inside you and then makes you question things. And the world is a darker place that you thought it would be, but maybe you were not paying attention. And I also have to add that I've also learned to make hope within that horror statement, which is something that it was kind of hard to me but because of things that I've listened and people I've talked to, I think it's also important, even in horror, to give a space for hope. Yeah. More, more, more so when you're when you're telling queer stories. I think, I mean, it's easy to give in to despair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is what it's hard is to write something that it's difficult, that it's real, that it's human, but that w- but that is also hopeful. I think that's right. actually the truth, and that's where I'm going also as a writer. Like, that's a hard stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. And especially because, like, as queer creators, but also more importantly, queer consumers, we kind yeah. of are often stuck with these just depressing stories. Like, how many love stories do we have where one of them dies or both of them die, you know, where they can't be together or they're like, you have a coming of age story where. It's everything goes to hell. And it's it's just like having the hope. And ideally, it's not, not always, because sometimes a story, a happy ending isn't going to be like, the happiest hmm. ending that these characters can have might not be the ideal happy ending, but hope and some sort of positive ending is oddly rare for queer content, especially when you dabble in horror because we usually as the queer characters die in horror <laughs> that's just how it is and that's one of the great things about things like you know uh Dose after you but also with kind of more lighthearted hearted uh, podcasts like uh there's one that I adore that I'm so excited to be a part of in season two uh Georgie Romero is done for uh mm. where it's oddly, kind of like jar Rebuke, someone trying to remember their past before they died. Uh, but, uh, but it's very comedic, it's very lighthearted, but it has intense moments, you know? Hmm. Uh, and, but it still, it deals with everything kind of like, I don't know, it, it just kind of gives a refreshing lightness to it, even though it's kind of heavier topics that make it not only re- relatable, but also a bit more palatable uh, mm-hmm. when dealing with the kind of the darker topics, but it's, it's just, it's nice to have that hope. And I think you've done a really good job of keeping things super intriguing in, in dose after you, but it never feels too much. It never feels too heavy. Yeah. and People yeah. have
1: told me that, uh, I like, there are questions, but that is also slowly answering some of the questions, you know, like there's always something yeah. you don't know but you keep getting answers and i think that's also important because you don't want to keep people in the dark and like it i'm not writing to demonstrate people that i'm clever than the rest because i don't feel yeah. i'm clever than the rest i'm just and that is not the the point of the story the point of the story is the reunion or looking for someone you love but also questioning a lot of things questioning your life i mean right up to this point, we have learned that dick is not a good person. Yeah. And you still like him, you know? Yeah. And you still want him to find seal because yeah. you want to see what happens.
0: Yeah. If they meet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about this last time. I think I think it was hmm. us. It was I think it was us where um I am always a sucker for an unreliable narrator. Oh. And <laughs> Like, that's one of the things that I love about like Welcome to Night Vale is you learn Mm -hmm. that yes, Cecil, he is a professional radio show host, he will give you the news. But it's like, you know, he spends all this time bashing on Steve and then they introduce yeah. Steve, and Steve is amazing. He's a great dude, yes. you know, and it's just like, whoa, and you get to know Carlos, and he's he's precious, but he's not this suave, charismatic, like what you would assume because of mm-hmm. how Cecil talks about him, um, and that's why I love the whole take of like, you know you have like audio journals or like voice memos where it's a very intimate thing between Mm -hmm. the main person and the listener but with that they're not going to be objective and especially with what deck is going through there are so many emotions and feelings (sighs) that yeah yeah yeah. being objective
1: yeah no no i like he He likes to pretend there are no strong emotions there. And then he breaks in episode 14. Like, I think it was Nettys from Seren who, who, like, asked, like, answered me in a a tweet, like, Deck sounds different. And I actually told it, like, I said it on on Twitter, like, Deck is going to sound different in Arc 3 for several Mm -hmm. reasons. What some reasons are flashbacks, some other reasons are, like, they're, like, he's interacting with different characters. We change when we interact with different persons but also after episode 14 he has admitted things he had he wasn't admitting to himself right. and that also helped him show a little bit more right you know so i think that's also important i really like that i felt way more comfortable with deck in this in this arc it was way more fun yeah. well i still have to record like the only thing that I- I have still to record and it's not recording. It's actually one of my scenes because I'm still like that scene is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep Pushing it and I have to put it together and then I will, I will record it.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a thing. <laughs> uh, one of the last things that I want to touch on before we start wrapping up, because we are kind of getting towards mm-hmm. the end of our time is uh, something that you requested. We talk about possibly being mm-hmm. um kind of the differences in experiences with, cause normally when you hear or see like trans YouTubers or trans bloggers, it's usually in one of three places, at least in my experience, the US, Canada or England. That's pretty much where I see all of them from. I'm sure there's others, yeah. but those are the big ones. And I kind of wanted to have you touch a bit on your experience as a queer trans man I, and your transition uh, in in Spain.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I came out when I was in university. I think it was first year, first, second year. And also like my third year was, it was third, yeah, third year. I went on Erasmus year uh, to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, I've been obsessed with the Netherlands since I was 15 or 16 and I visited with my parents. Um, I love the place. Um, so i started questioning my gender now was 20 21 because i had a really bad relationship through my adolescence my teen years yeah. so that space where people usually take time to re- self-reflect i i couldn't use it because i was wrapped up in studies and someone who was hurting me in a lot of ways yeah. so <laughs> so basically when i was like more free to be myself uh studying psychology um questioning a lot of stuff, not only the world, but also myself, um, I started playing Quidditch. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's also a thing here. Um, And I met a lot of people. I could play as a non-binary player. And I started learning more about gender. And I was just like, well, I've never felt like a girl. Um, For a girl, I am a very masculine girl. So and I don't feel that much comfortable with that. Um, so which is like let's explore and i was a i had a really good boyfriend at the time uh who was very supportive it's not my current boyfriend but it's probably the only ex-boyfriend that i have that i care about so yeah. much. <laughs> because he was a good one so so yeah i started i started playing it a little bit and things started to make change to mer- to make sense right. like sometimes i explain like when people ask you like how did you know you were trans it is just like i didn't exactly know. I knew something was off, but I thought I could live with that. Yeah. Sorry. You're <laughs> I thought I could live with that. Um, but then I started playing with pronouns. I got my first binder. And when I got my first binder, I was just like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah uh here for hormones and everything so spain is divided in communities um, mm-hmm. like uh, small communities uh, i think that's the rough translation but it's not a states because they don't have their they have their own laws but it's not as strong as the united states or even germany germany is also like federates and it's not the same like right. the central government has a little bit more more power yeah and the thing is that i live in Madrid, so i was really i was really uh lucky and privileged, I live in the capital, Uh, I'm from the capital, and here we had a gender clinic in Spain, they follow a model that is uh, modeled after what they have in the Netherlands, which is like usually one or two gender clinics in the whole country, here we have a few more, but there are communities that don't have their own gender unit in public health. That's also, I think we have public health and you can go through public health, which means that, for example, hormones, Like for example, I I take t shirts, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think my shots without the public health would be like three euros, but with public health it's like 60 cents. Yeah, think yeah, yeah, things like that. And for example, like gel, like you know, like gel, uh, the whole pack for a month would be 50 euros, but within public health it's four euros. Yeah.
0: Oh okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cries, cri- cries an American. I'm so cries, sorry.
0: <laughs> cries an American. Yeah, because it's like without. Uh, I don't even have. It's not even insurance. It's like a coupon website. Uh, with the coupon website, my injections for about a month are about thirty dollars, uh, which I think translates to a bit more when you transfer when you translate to euros. Um, I think so. And without that, it's like a hundred um yeah 120 yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's it, it's not all
1: shiny because we've been we've been getting some of the hormones that actually work better for trans women transferring okay. people and yeah. others that we also had for trans men or trans masculine people uh, off you know like certain hormones have to be inside at least for us to have that discount and they took some of them off Mm. Which we are trying, like, you, you know, like there are some things that work for trans women better, and you're taking them off. Like, can you please put it back in? <laughs> um also most people usually go for surgery privately because the public lists are way too long. Mm. And sometimes you can actually save the money to go private, but not everyone can. Right. Public uh public health surgeries are ain't that bad, mostly okay. with things like top. Uh, surgery or even uh, for men and uh, yeah trans uh, trans people yeah um but i think the m- biggest problem that we have right now is that we uh, have ids we, uh, we have national ids right. and for you to change your legal name and your gender mark you have to be at least for two years on hormones okay and anyone who knows how hormones work with trans people in your first year probably you have quite some passing and finding a job and studying can be quite difficult depending on on where you are because well you're in in madrid you're in barcelona people could be a little bit more understandable but even even in madrid in barcelona you know like there are transfers everywhere so that difficult job and studying and everything like working on and, and, and everything so we're trying to push that so we don't have those times things like that we still have to get diagnosed by a psychologist or psychiatrists we ask, we also pushing trying to push on that one um like in places on like the uk there's been this rising of uh, trans feminine exclusive i'm not gonna say mm-hmm. feminist it's just like
0: yeah people
1: who are like trans inclusive, exclusive yeah all that yeah. and it's also happened in spain there's been like this big mm-hmm. reaction that i think it's being kind of imported from the uk and some part of the us because yeah. most of this are now like intermingling people speak several languages and disinformation and misinformation travels around yeah so that's kind of how it is i mean it's i will say that as in most places if you have money and you have means transitioning is isn't that hard in Spain. Right. We have good things like public health, but also there are long lists. It's quite an experience, and it really depends on where you live, because in the community you live, you have a gender clinic, it might be easier. That if in your community isn't, and you have to move and you have to spend a lot of money on transport. And you know, it it's it can be kind of hard.
0: Right. And it's, I I feel like it's, it's not all sunshine and daisies most anywhere, but yeah, it is interesting to see like where the differences are in experiences it's, and that shapes people to be different and stories to be different. And it's, I think it's also important for. Like to get really real for a second here. uh, One of the things that I love about talking with people in different countries and learning about different experiences is I used to be of the very firm belief that America was the greatest country in the world because as a small child, it's what you're taught. And then, you know, there are some great perks to being in the US for sure. Uh, but there is a lot of other things that we could be doing infinitely better on. (laughs) And knowing how other countries do things and how things are in different parts of the world can inspire other places to kind of look and go, oh, that's working over there. Why Hmm. don't we Hmm. try that here? We'll see how that goes. (laughs) So... (laughs) Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have
1: my own ther- theories. Like I, I could talk politics so long. <laughs> I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting way worse with this. And I'm also studying a lot about um, like my own history. There's also one reason that Tos is, is also in Spanish because maybe season one, not that much, but I'm actually tricking all of you into season two and guess where season two happens. Spain. So I'm actually like, I'm studying, I'm brushing off, I'm questioning things uh, because for example, Spain was a country, like you all know who Hitler was. You all know who Mussolini was. But what people sometimes don't understand is that the bad guy here won and stayed in power for over 40 years. Mm. And they, and he had support from the States and from other countries that actually permitted this dictatorship here. And that's one of the reasons where some stuff, like like in some areas, Spain is actually a little bit bit far back with some stuff because we still catching up on democracy or democracy is quite, quite young. And it could be like it's quite interesting to compare with the democracy maybe in the United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like like I, when I when I was told because I played DND with with three uh, audio drama creators from the states, and when they told me you don't get like holidays on contract, like yeah, like here in Spain legally, if you're working forty hours a week, which is like full time. Yeah. Um. You get four weeks a
0: year, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I uh used to work a job that I worked about eighty hours a week. Would sometimes get paid for thirty. Um and uh they gave us double pay on holidays, but we still had to work. Uh, <laughs> which hmm. <laughs> now you you you. you Read the contract fine print. Yeah.
1: Everyone, 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 read the contracts, read the contracts. Don't sign anything you haven't read. Yeah.
0: Especially like that, that is
1: happening here. Like, like even, okay, we have good things here, but we have high, really high un- 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 unemployment growth rate. It's amazing, like we like my generation here is super prepared, like I have a degree, I have a master's i have I'm bilingual, I speak a little bit of Dutch and a little bit of German, like mm. you know, and I can find no job, <laughs> yeah, and like me, many other people here in Spain, because they here there's a tendency to ask for a lot of qualifications, yeah, and then give shit jobs, you yeah.
0: know,
1: and that's kind of a problem here, and people um really try to ah, kind of find a way but like trick young people yeah you know like it's your first contract you don't read the stuff or you don't think like you don't know that if you here in spain if you work at night or you work past 10 p.m you have to get paid extra because you're working like night shift and you have to like buy low. You have to get work. Like you have to get paid extra. And you have we have salary rates for every position that kind of exists. Like no new newest new jobs now, but like yeah. any kind of job that you can think of, we have actually like syndicates, and there are rates that that's the minimum you have to get paid. People don't know that because we're not teach that. We're not we're not taught that at school.
0: Right, yeah, like here in the States, they taught us how to balance a checkbook and file your taxes. in the fifth grade, when we are like maybe eight years old, so I don't remember. I, I do not remember, but they they taught me how to how to book how to balance a checkbook before I was I was still in like some of the youngest years of school, but they're like, we taught it to you. Now, just remember that in 10 years when you're actually going to use it. It's like, yeah. Oh, mm, don't y'all love that stuff. I would very much love to talk more about this kind of stuff uh, at some point (laughs) because I am very curious to kind of just swap in here and get your opinions on things. And, uh, but unfortunately we do got to start wrapping up. So Before we go, there are a few questions that I like to ask my my guests. Um, Firstly is if you had advice for maybe your younger self while you were still kind of trying to figure yourself out um, Mm. or someone in a similar position, who's kind of trying to find comfort in themselves and their identity and what they want to do, like, what sort of advice would you give?
1: I would say, um, first of all, to find a safe space, and a safe space can be a person, just one person, that allows you and that helps you to explore to explore pronouns, to explore performance, you know, like performativity of gender, the clothing, uh, the mannerisms. So you can play because you don't know what you like and with what you're comfortable if you have just been playing one role because the world told you to play that role, you know? So find a safe space to explore. Don't be afraid to change your mind because sexuality and gender are fluid. And anyone yeah. that says otherwise, please tell them that sexologists, psychologists, everyone actually says that it's fluid and it changes. Yeah. We change. We are different every day. Why can't your gender feel different, you know? Yeah. So I will, I will say that to find a safe space, to try to learn from your community to try to find older trans queer people in your area or if not you have the internet you're gonna find them you really gonna find them and not be afraid to explore just like yeah. throw yourself out like as long as you have one safe space one safe person you can do it yeah you know
0: I, I have always I'm always a huge advocate for finding a safe space. And even if you're living somewhere that's not accepting, but you have a group of internet friends, like that can be a, a beautiful start, you know? Yeah. I I grew up in tiny little Indiana farm town, and Indiana is where our current vice presidents used to govern. Um gross, but you know, you, you find your safe space like online and then you can get out of there and hmm. plant new roots. So yeah. And also, where can our lovely listeners find you and your audio drama online? So basically
1: you type everywhere, like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, dos uh, after you, you will find it. It's red and black. Like that design is quite, simple but effective <laughs> we also have a patreon if you want to chip in and i'm making more content i have so many short stories to share and we have also a discord which is quite fun you're part of it
0: <laughs> i am there, we
1: talk yes. about we talk a lot about music like i sent a song daily <laughs> lately it's been hi- hated because uh, that's how it works sometimes i'm big musical Such good geek. stuff <laughs> <laughs> i'm i've been singing chant on loop for a week like i'm learning all the lyrics doesn't matter if you did see yes i'm learning that one too
0: yes
1: (laughs) that's a thing um you can find that and you can find me at instagram and twitter uh at dvd low space low bar not low bar underscore orion underscore yeah (laughs) underscore good i don't know why it's Uh, called that (laughs) yeah i don't know like in in, in spanish makes more sense because like lower line
0: something like that it will be just like, see that makes sense i don't i don't i don't <laughs> uh i played it from- not
1: everything not everything makes sense in spanish remember that we have a swear word that it's basically i shit on the sea why no one knows <laughs> but you say that like it really translates to that Oh. And in, in, it doesn't make sense in any language but we say that so
0: <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> so uh, as i as i've said i grew up in small like farm country so you know i got a lot of relatives who talk like this you know they got the twang going and they say the thing i was like wow that's like like a cow pissing on a hot rock i'm like thanks what does that mean <laughs> You know, like sometimes they make sense. Like when someone says that's like six eggs to half a dozen, that means it's the same either way. Cause it's six eggs and six eggs makes sense. Yes. They don't always make sense. <laughs> oh, don't you love idioms? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. All right. And before we let you go, of course, it'll be uh, our turn. Uh, Before I continue forward, though, I will, of course, put links to uh, David's social media and also his podcast in the episode description of this. Uh, But also, be sure you check out our audio drama as well, uh, Jar of Rebuke, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. We are looking to do a crossover episode with Those After You, so yes. keep an eye out for that. Uh, and you can also, if you are feeling generous and wanna throw some money somewhere else after you throw it at David, consider looking up Jar of Rebuke on Patreon because we also have a Patreon uh, where you can get all sorts of fun goodies and you're helping support queer creators And we donate 10% every month to a charity called Don't Be A Monster, which is an anti-bullying in-school charity. So uh, definitely check that out and tune in every other Friday for more interviews with queer entertainers. And remember, all the world's a stage, so be sure to give them one hell of a show. This has been Casper, joined by David, signing off. Bye-bye.